you to Natalie and Shelley for that beautiful duet. It brings back memories where we used to sing. Uh, the Dalsbys will remember that, too. Back, we used to sing at the Grange Hall and the Veterans Hall. We sat in a little circle. We weren't very big in those days. We had the guitar, play the guitar, and sang these, these old favorites, you know, and that brings back good memories. And, you know, in the Christian life, we have good memories of what the Lord has done for us and how he's blessed us over the year, and the best keeps, it keeps getting better and better, and the best is yet to come. We thank the Lord for what he's done in all of our lives. Shall we just look to him this morning in a word of prayer? We thank you, Lord Jesus, for the fact that you died for us. Yes, for those tears you died. You took our sorrows. You took our pain. You took our suffering. Lord, you took our sins upon yourself on the cross and you gave your life to save us so that we can truly have eternal life. We pray now that you would be with us as we open the scripture this morning and read from it. And as we share this message, Lord, please hide me behind the cross that we would see Jesus this morning. He is our loving Savior, and we pray that you would speak to our hearts by the Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. You know, when Randy White gave a message up here recently, he was talking about the book of Proverbs. And it was really interesting because I had just started reading the book of Proverbs, and I love this book. It is so practical, and the teachings in it are so wonderful. It's just like it was written in modern days. I mean, it's so practical and real. It's a blessing. And so I've been really blessed. And so the verses we're going to share today are coming from a large part from, from the book of Proverbs. But you know, you can go with a lot, through many trials in your life and you can go through a lot where you don't have certain things. Now, you can do without them, without money, without possessions, without position and prestige. You can even be a single person and be without a spouse or you can be without kids. You can get by without that. But there's one thing that all of us need in life and it's very, very important and that is a true friend. Somebody who really loves you and somebody who really cares for your soul and who is interested in you as a person spiritually as well as in every other way. And it's very rare indeed. It's a blessing if you find one true friend in your life that you can really count on that's true to the end. And if you have even more than one, then you're really richly blessed. And I thank the Lord over the years in our assembly for the friends I have. And as I was preparing this message, and really the title of this message is The Blessedness of Friendship, I started to, to, to cry yesterday. I was so blessed because of the friendship that I have. So I know Brother Bill has been uh, laid aside recently with this uh, hernia operation that he had. So I called him up and I said, you know, brother, I just want to tell you how much I love you and I appreciate our friendship. I said, I'm working on this message on friendship and I really thank the Lord for the times that we've had together over the years. And I can say the same thing with so many in the audience today, especially Adel and Sylvia and Randy and Shelley and just everyone. I love you so much. You're my friend. And we're friends in Christ. And that's the greatest kind of friendship that we can possibly have. A man named Franklin Owen once said, Friendship is loyal. A real friend is loyal through thick and thin. He will stand by you in the hour of need. He will help you when you're down. He will celebrate with you when you're up. Friendship is patience with one's friend when he is right and patience with him when he's wrong. Friendship is rankless. One's friends are truly and totally without regard to station in life. Friendship is helpful. 
Friendships form among people who strengthen one another. And it's so true. The close friendships we have in Christ help us through the crisis times in our lives. And we've all been through these crisis times. And what would we have done without the friendships that we have to hold us up, to lift us up, to encourage us in those times that we go through? Yes, it is a blessed thing to have godly friends. And we're just going to look at three basic points this morning. And they are this. First of all, choosing to follow the example of Christ, who really is our best friend. Secondly, choosing wisely our friends. And that's very, very important. And third, choosing ourselves to be a true, loyal friend for life and for eternity. And that is really a blessing. Well, the first one is choosing to follow the example of Christ. When you think about who is your best friend, who is your best friend? Somebody you can talk to every day about anything. You can open your heart and pour out your heart to this person. They know you better than you even know yourself. They care for you. They're looking out for your interests all the time, 24-7. And who else could that be but the Lord Jesus Christ? He is our best friend. He's my best friend. And you know, whenever, even if you're single or whether you're married, whether you have kids or you don't have kids, wherever you are, Jesus can be your best friend. And it's so neat because you can be driving down the road and you can be talking to him. He's your best friend. He's right there beside you. You can be at work, working at your computer and pressure's coming and all these deadlines are all around you like in my job. And you can just pray to the Lord. Lord, help me through this. And he's right there. And he's our best friend. We can be anywhere in life and we can call upon Jesus. And that's the amazing thing. The scripture says that he is our friend. He calls us his friends. That's the amazing thing. In uh, John, it says, This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. And I thought that was so neat and wonderful that the Lord would say, Dean, you're my friend. You're my friend. Susan, you're my friend. Rick, you're my friend. Could it, we have any other greater privilege than being the friend of Christ? I mean, we have so many blessings, but that I think is one of the most precious, intimate titles for us as Christians is the friends of Christ. You know, back when the Lord Jesus Christ was here on earth, he liked to spend time with his friends. And he went and spent time with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And he went to other people who were his close friends and he had communion with them and he had fellowship with them. And they encouraged him and he encouraged them. And we all need that kind of friendship. And praise God for the good friends that we have. Jesus being the best friend of all. The hymn writer said, What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, when you come to him in prayer, doesn't say, Don't bother me about this one. Don't, it, it's mundane. It's, it's too minor. I don't, I don't deal with that. Or don't, don't bring me this. You've been praying about this too long. Just forget it. Let it go. He doesn't do that. The Bible says he's a friend who listens to our prayers. He cares about us. He says, sure, you've been praying it for it a long time. And as you have been praying for it, I have been praying with you for it. I want the answer to come even more than you want it to come. And it's going to come in my timing. He loves us so much. He's our friend. He cares for us. And when you have a friend like Jesus... 
you really don't need any other friends. But it is a blessing that he's given us many other wonderful friends as well. You know, how did the Lord Jesus Christ demonstrate his friendship to us? It says here he laid down his life for his friends. He said, I love you. You're my friends. I love you so much. I'm going to give my life for you on the cross. That's amazing. That's such a blessing and such a wonder. His friendship to us. And true friendship, what it does is it sacrifices for others. You can't say I'm your friend, Vince. Vince, you and I are good friends. And then I'm not willing to do anything for Vince. You know, or I'm not willing to help him out. And I know he has a need and I've got the means to meet that need. But if I call Vince my friend, then I better go and help him out. That's what friendship is all about. It's a life of sacrifice. A genuine friend in the example of Christ willingly sacrifices for us, shares with us, and serves us. And that's really what friendship is all about. A friend doesn't sit back and say, okay, give me, give me, give me. No, the friend says, let me give you. Let me serve you. You know, it's kind of fun sometimes when we go to the restaurant together, have dinner. We don't fight over who's not, who's going to pay the bill. We all want to pay the bill. And so sometimes we have a little uh, competition over who's going to pay. And that's good, especially when we go out with Brother Rajiv and we try to pay for him and he tries to cover all of our bills. And he does win sometimes. But praise God for the friendship, for the love that we have as friends, one for another. Yes, friendship is about giving. And the Lord Jesus Christ as a friend was never too busy to spend time with people, individually as well as collectively. And he would spend time with people, and especially when he went to the woman at the well. And can you imagine, here's a woman at the well, a sinful woman, and he took the time to say, you're my friend. And he talked to her about himself and he won her to himself by his love. And that's the way we win people today. That's the way friendship really works. It's a giving of our love and giving of ourselves to others. And it's got to be an unconditional love. So many times in the world, somebody will say, I'll love you if you love me back. You scratch my back and I'll scratch yours. Reciprocating, right? That's not the love of God. That's not the agape love. The agape love of God is, says, I will give to you. I will help you with no expectation of getting anything back. That's the love of Christ. That's what differs the love of Christ than all other loves in this world is the fact that it is unconditional. He loves me. He loves you unconditionally. No matter what you do today, no matter what sin you might commit, if you're truly his child and you know Christ is your savior, he loves you. He doesn't love your sin. He doesn't love what you did, but he still loves you. And that's the relationship that is cemented by his love. And it's such a blessing to our hearts. Yes, it's a blessing to know the Lord Jesus Christ as our true friend. And then secondly, it's important to choose wisely who our friends are. You know, one of the greatest choices in life you can make is who you choose as your friend. It's really important. Young people here today, and we've got a lot of young ones in the audience. When you go to school, you have to choose who your friends are going to be. You can run with the right crowd or you can run with the wrong crowd. You can be involved with those kids who are Christians and have, have that, or you can go off with the others. And what's going to happen? If you go off with that wrong crowd, they're going to rub off on you and they are going to influence you. You are going to be influenced by your friends. In 1 Corinthians 15:33, it says, Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Or in one version says, Bad company corrupts good morals. 
And it's always that way. The weaker one always drags down the, st- the stronger one. The, the one who is bad always brings the good one into badness. It doesn't work the other way around. And that's why we have to be so careful who we choose to be our friends, who we choose to spend our, our time with. It's especially true. Even in the Christian life, there can be carnal Christians and there can be spiritual Christians. Who do you choose to associate with? If you choose the carnal, what's going to happen? You're going to become carnal. And if you choose the godly, the righteous, you will become more godly and more righteous. The scripture tells us that. Yes, it rubs off on us. And pretty soon, if you spend a lot of time with people that use bad language, it's going to rub off on you. And before you know it, some bad word can come out of your mouth. And you say, well, where did that come from? Well, look who you've been associating with. Or if you watch bad movies or bad shows on TV, it's amazing how the devil will help you to remember what you saw in those bad shows. And so it's better not to associate with those kind of friends. We want to have good friends, godly friends, spend time with them. I like what President George Washington said, our first president. He said this, associate with men of good quality if you esteem your reputation, for it is better to be alone than in bad company. That's so true. It's better to stay home, be bored if you want, but stay home than to go out with bad company, bad, bad folks, bad ones that are going to influence in the, in the wrong way. The scripture even says in Proverbs, it's better to dwell in the corner of a rooftop than with a contentious woman. Now, it doesn't have to be just a woman. I'm not picking on the women, see. You can substitute a, you know, a man in there too. But the principle is, it's better to have a little bit and be happy and godly in Christ than to go out in the world and start getting influenced by the way the world does things. It's so true. Think about it for a moment this morning. Which one of us could choose what family we were born in? We couldn't, could we? But we can choose our friends. Which one of us could choose what we look like? No, we can't, but we can choose our friends. Which one of us can choose our name? We had no part in that either, but we can choose who we make our friendships with. Those close, lasting friendships that are so needed to keep us going in the Christian life. Because all of us have those times we get down and discouraged. Could be over a physical thing, an emotional thing, a mental thing, whatever it is. And we all need a friend to come alongside us and encourage us, hug us and say, it's okay. You're going to make it. We're going to pray this through and you're going to come through it. Yes, we all need those godly friends. Proverbs 13:20 says, he who walks with wise men will be wise. And that is so true in our Christian life. You know, it's interesting when you think about that. He who walks with wise men will be wise. Think about the little boy Jesus when he was there in Jerusalem. His parents had gone up to Jerusalem and he was there with them. And then they got in the caravan and went back home to Nazareth. And all of a sudden they realized, where's Jesus? He's not with us. So they had to turn around and make an about face and go back to Jerusalem. They hunted for him all over. And finally they went into the temple and there he was. What was he doing in the temple? He was sitting with the teachers of the day, the wisest people he could find. And it says he was listening to them and he was asking them questions. And I thought, isn't that marvelous? The son of God, God himself, took the time at that point to spend time with the teachers of the day, listening to them and asking them questions. And I thought, that's how we as young Christians learn in the Christian life. Sitting with a godly person, listening to them 
and asking them questions. So many times we feel, well, my question is so, it's, it's not good. I mean, they're gonna, what are they going to think of me? It's so basic. Or No, ask the question. Because if you don't ask the question, you'll never get the answer. But if you spend time with people like Adel and Sylvia and Mike and all the different ones we have in our assembly and Sally and all the ones, you'll get godly advice, you'll get encouragement, and they will always give you the right answer from the Word of God. So praise God for that. Also in Proverbs it says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man do not go, lest you learn his ways, and it set a snare for your soul. You know, make no friendship with an angry man. And in fact, the scripture says, make no friendship with this world. You know, we're talking about having friendship with Christ. We're talking about friendship with godly Christians, but don't make a friendship with this world. Uh, In James, it says it very clear, you adulterers and adulteresses, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility against God? You can't have a friendship with the world. You can't, have, you can't flirt with this world. You can't have anything to do with this world or it will. It'll rub off on you. It'll rub off on me. And we have to be so careful every day of our lives. It's a challenge to us. And you know what? Sometimes we like to choose our friends like an old comfortable pair of slippers. You know, We put them on. In other words, we don't want a friend that's going to ever tell us anything negative about us. We want to be comfortable. So we associate with people that are always going to tell us, oh, you're a great guy, you're doing really well, and this, where we could have some problem that we need to be rebuked. We need to be corrected. And that's where a godly friend comes in. A godly friend cannot look at you and see you doing something wrong and just sit there and say, that's okay. He'll learn. She'll learn. It'll take time. No. The godly person comes along in love and sets that person straight. Not with a critical spirit, but with a loving spirit, a gentle spirit, like in the, in the spirit of Christ. And that is really the blessing. The scripture says, open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. And I was thinking about that. Think about in your life, have you ever known a friend who's been so honest with you that they have told you something that was really hard to tell. I mean, it was really hard for them. They had to really come across and say something to you. And then afterwards, you know, it hurt you a little bit, stung you a little bit. But then you said, wow, they love me that much to tell me. I mean, I could have just gone right on the road, down that wrong road, down that wrong road and got so far from away from the Lord. But they love me that much is to tell me. Tell me I was wrong so I can correct it. That is the way it is in the Christian life. Another scripture in Proverbs says that iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Iron sharpening iron. I like that. We as Christians should encourage one another in love, build up each other. And if there is times that we share something that's needed as correction, then it comes across in the way of love. I found a great quote, and I had to laugh at this yesterday, and I think you're going to laugh too, but it's, it's very true. The reason a dog has so many friends is because he wags his tail, not his tongue. (laughs) That's a great one. I thought, what a great quote. The reason, I'll say it again. The reason a dog has so many friends is he wags his tail, he doesn't wag his tongue. You know, and we're talking about sometimes friends correcting each other, and that's needed to do. But how many of us have ever had people that are very critical? 
And you know, everything you do is wrong. You don't dress the right way, wrong color tie, wrong color shirt. You don't eat the right things. You don't do the right things, your hobbies, whatever. Always critical. How many of us would like to have a friend like that that is always criticizing us? No, there's no room for that. We should be encouragers of one another. Yes, let our our tails wag, not our, our tongues when it comes to our friends. And that's the way the Lord wants it to be. Yes, one of the greatest blessings that you can have as a married couple is to have your spouse as your best friend. You know, of course, the Lord Jesus is our really best friend with a capital B and a capital F, best friend. But when your spouse is your best friend, this is a great thing. The other day, I got in my car after choir practice and I was driving out and I got in my car and I saw Rick and Emily there at their van. And as I was driving along, I saw them kissing and I said, wow, this is really it. And I said, you know, I thought about it. I didn't have love. (laughs) They were just hugging and kissing like they weren't going to see each other for another six months or a year. And Rick was going home, right, to babysit the kids. And Emily was going to the women's dinner. Like, they might be apart for, what, three hours? But I thought about it and I said this. I was so blessed by it that they showed that love for each other. So I stopped my car. I rolled down the window and I said, Emily, I said, I'm so blessed by the affection of your love for each other. I really was. Because when couples have been married a long time and they still have the fire burning of that love and that friendship, and I know that they have that close friendship, It's so encouraging to all of us. And so I was blessed by that. And when you have a friendship like that, that is strong and true, it will carry you through anything, anything, because it's true friendship. And then finally, it's not enough just to have the example of Christ as our friend, not only to choose wisely our friend, but the third thing is choosing ourselves to be a loyal friend. That is so very important. It's a great issue of life. And it is going to be very important. But you know what the devil wants to do? He does not like Christians to have close friendships with each other. He cannot stand that. So what does he want to do? He wants to drive a wedge between people. And we've seen it over the years. It's so sad. People can be friends for years and years. And then a little issue, and sometimes it's very little, sometimes it's bigger, will drive a wedge between those people. And then... Next thing you know, they're not talking to each other. Thank God we don't have this in our church. But can you imagine two friends that were friends for years now not even talking to each other, not even calling, no cards, no phone calls, nothing. Now nothing to do with each other. They're hurt. Instead of settling it, they let it fester and it becomes a wedge between them. May God help us to delight in our friendship so much that we don't let anything come between that friendship. If my friend hurts me, like if Ron hurts me or I hurt him, we go to him and we settle it so the friendship, the relationship will stay strong. And that's the way it should be in all of our lives. You oftentimes hear that expression, a long lost friend. That's kind of sad that you, would, you, you had him, but it was a long time ago and now they're lost. And maybe now you get together and you see him again after so many years. We shouldn't let that happen. We should covet our friendships more than anything else. I was thinking about David and Jonathan. Think about these two friends. It says their friendship with each other was better than the friendship of a man and a woman. And it's amazing David said that. And yet he loved women. He was a married man and he loved his wives. But he loved Jonathan as his own soul. They had a kindred relationship with each other as a friendship that transcended so many other things. And think about who Jonathan's father was, Saul. Did Saul like David? 
No, Saul was looking to kill David every chance he got. He envied him. He was jealous of him. He hated David. And yet, Jonathan, as his son, loved David. And they had that close relationship together. May the Lord help us to have those David and Jonathan friendships that no matter what comes up, it will keep going and be a blessed friendship. You know, being a true loyal friend, though, it does take a lot of work. It takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a lot of effort. And sometimes it can even take a lot of money. Some people are willing to be friends with you, but I'm not going to invite you over to my house or I'm not going to give you a gift on your birthday. No, we'll just exchange cards. You know, the Lord doesn't want us to be miserly friends. He wants us to be generous friends who love each other and care for each other and really look for, out for the best interest of one another. There's another verse in Proverbs in 17, 17 that says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know, if you have a relationship with someone and everything's going great, and that doesn't test the friendship. But wait till something happens in adversity. That will test the friendship. That will test how strong that friendship has become. It's like a tree where the roots go down deep into the ground so that when the winds blow, that tree stands strong. That's the way our friendships are. They're built up over years of, of growth and, and love in Christ. And then when the adversity blows against it, we will stand and that friendship will stand. Yes, when prosperity comes, we can, all, we can be friends. But when adversity comes, that's going to test our friendship to see how real and genuine it is. Someone put it another way and said, prosperity begets friends, adversity proves them. And that is very, very true. Yeah, it's easy to be friends when things are going well. Proverbs 18.24 gives another excellent verse on friendship when it says, a, a man who has friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I thought about that. If you want to have friends, you have to show yourself to be friendly. So many people get discouraged and they say, you know what, I don't have any friends around here. Nobody will be friends with me. Ask yourself, are you a friend to someone else? You know, you can go along and say, I have no friends, nobody to care for me, nobody to help me, nobody to give to me. Woe is me. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm going to go out and make friends with people. I'm going to invite people out to, to a restaurant. Oops, spending money again. I'm going to help people. I'm going to encourage people. I'm going to give to people. I'm going to be a friend. And when you do that, watch how many friends you're going to get. There will be genuine friends because people will say, wow, that person really cares about me. He really does or she really does. Yes, so many times the Lord wants to remind us that friends are loyal no matter what. Through and through to the end. And that's what he wants us to do. I have a plaque in my bathroom that says this. I've had it for many, many years, probably about almost 20 years. Count your age by friends, not by years. Count your life by smiles and not by tears. I thought that was really neat. You know, I'm going to have a birthday and it's going to be 45 years old. And I consider myself very young. But, <laughs> but I'm very thankful because age you are, if you have friends, you're going to be happy. And if you don't, you're going to be sad. People today that try to do things to, to gain success in this world and they don't have the friends, so sad. Look at Howard Hughes. He lived to be a miser 
He lived a, a recluse. He died in his what hotel room where he was. Nobody around him. No friends. That's got to be the saddest thing in life when you don't have at least one true friend to spend time with. You know, I used to to go and visit the older folks in the convalescent hospitals. We used to have a ministry there. Uh, Rick Wooten and I used to go quite often during the week. And one thing that really touched my heart when we used to go is we would visit these people who had absolutely no visitors. No one came. No, no relatives came. No friends came. Nobody came to visit them. And you would just go to them and you'd visit them and it just made their day. It was just so encouraging because they had basically no one. They were just left there in that home. So sad. And so I said to myself, Lord, if I can just bring a little cheer to those people that have no cheer, bring a little friendship to them who have no friends, Lord, that is a blessing to me. And it was. Yes, in closing, I'd like to just mention a couple more things. First of all, I, I found this other quote that says, I thank God for each beloved friend. I treasure them more than fine gold or precious diamonds. Isn't that true? A true friend, a loyal friend is better than gold and better than diamonds. But I want to close with the Ten Commandments of Human Relations. Ten Commandments given by a, name of, by a man named Robert G. Lee shows ten ways that we can show our friendship to other people, that we can show a caring, loving uh, way toward people. Ten things. First of all, speak to people. It seems so obvious, but how many people do you see that pass by each other in the halls at work don't say anything? Or they're in the neighborhood and a person's watering their lawn and another person's over doing something else. They don't say anything. It's so obvious, but it's so simple. If you want to be a friend to somebody, speak to them. Speak to them. There's nothing as cheerful as a word of greeting. Oh, how are you doing today? It makes a difference with people. Second, smile at people. Have you ever seen a person that's glum, that just doesn't smile? They're baptized in lemon juice, as Bill McDonald used to say. <laughs> Bill McDonald used to have great quotes. Baptized in lemon juice. They never smile. They never smile. And if we're happy on the inside and we have Christ, we should be smiling. We have, we have something to smile about every day. People should ask us about it. Someone said, it takes 72 muscles to frown but only 14 to smile. So it's even easier to smile. That's why I do it. It's harder to, to frown. Third, call people by name. That's another obvious one. But when you see somebody, when you call them by name, it shows that you're caring for them. You, you take time enough to learn their name and, and pronounce it correctly. That's another good one. Pronounce their name correctly is a sign of friendship and love. Number four, be friendly and helpful. If you would have friends, be friendly. You know, people that want to be friends with you are, are ones that see you being helpful, being concerned, and doing things for others. Number five, be cordial. Speak and act as if everything you do is a genuine pleasure. Now, sometimes that's hard. We're going through hard times in our lives, and sometimes it's hard to act as if everybody we meet it's a genuine pleasure. And some people out there, believe me, it's not really a genuine pleasure to meet them. They're disagreeable and ornery and mean. But if you look to find something good in them and somehow to make a connection with them, you can be surprised how you can win them. You win them by the love. You win them by showing friendship to them. Number seven, be generous with praise, cautious 
with criticism. I thought that was very good. Be generous with praise. We should praise each other, but not let it slip into flattery. You know, flattery means I tell you what you want to hear, that you're a great person, everything's great, but it's not true. That's flattery. But when you can genuinely find something good about somebody or what they've done or what they've accomplished and you give them that encouragement, that's encouragement, that's praise, and that's a good thing. And that's a blessing. Number eight, be considerate with the feelings of others. There are usually three sides to a controversy. Yours, the other fellows, and the right one. I also like that because three sides. Yours, the other person's, and really the right one. Because the moment you start thinking your side is right and you push for it and push for it and push for it, you can win that argument and you can lose the friend. You really can. You can lose that person so easy just by demanding that your way is the right way. We don't want to do that. We have to take a gentle approach, a kind approach, sometimes duck under and lift them up. And then before they know it, they say, wow, we're not arguing anymore. You know, there's nothing to argue about because that person is not arguing back. They're, they're listening to me and sharing opinion. And then number nine, be alert to give service. What counts most in life is what we do for others. You know, it's really something you can walk along, walk along in life and just minding your business and doing your business. But as you walk along, you might see something along that needs to be done. Maybe I need to pick up that hymn book. Maybe I need to put away a chair. Maybe I need to do this. Maybe I do that. So you have a choice at that point. A true friend will say, wait a minute. I got to be there, yes, but let me do this first for you. I'm going to do this first for you. I'm going to help you. I'm going to sacrifice my plans to help you. And that's what a true friend is all about. And then number, number 10 is add to this a good sense of humor. I like that one. Add to it a good sense of humor, a big dose of patience, and a dash of humility, and you will be rewarded manyfold. That's what a true friend is about. He's, he's humble. He's loyal. He's there for you till the end. He cares. And he's got a good sense of humor. So thank God for friendship. A true and loyal friend can always be counted on. You can count on them. And that's the way it should be. I like what Charles Spurgeon said about friendship. He said, friendship is one of the sweetest joys of life. Many have fa- might have failed beneath the bitterness of their trial had they not found a friend. Oh, wow. When we get to heaven, I think the Lord is going to show us, look at all the people that you encouraged in your life. All the people. You've forgotten about it. But look, how many people you encourage with a smile, with a word of encouragement. Look how many people you encouraged. You did them a favor. You did an errand for them. You, you visited them. You helped them. All those little things that we forget about will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ. He says, you were a loyal friend. You were a help. You were a servant. I'm going to bless you tremendously. And he blesses us not only in the future, but he blesses us right now. Because if we prove to be true and loyal friends to others, the Lord will richly bless us. So we've seen today that Christ really is our best friend. He's the best friend you can have. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't know Christ, you are missing out on the best relationship you could ever have. Because look at all the relationships in life that go sour. Uh, Husband and wife's divorce. Uh, Siblings, rivalries, never talk to each other. Things happen in life. Business relationships that go bad. But one relationship that will never go bad is your relationship to Christ. If you honor him and obey him, he is your best friend. He'll always 
be there for you. And then be careful. Young people, older people, choose wisely who you have as your friend, who you spend time with, who you want to be with, because they're going to rub off on you either for the good or for the bad. And finally, if you want to have a friend, you have to be a friend. Yes, it's a principle of the scriptures and a principle of life. Friendship requires a lot of sacrifice and a lot of time and effort. May the Lord help us this morning. If you've got friends, to be thankful. And do for your friends whatever you can to be a blessing. And that's, that's really what it's all about. Because it's a great privilege to have loyal friends. Shall we just close in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, today we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ, who is our best friend. Help us, Lord, to cultivate this relationship above any other. Lord, help us to spend time with you in prayer and commune with you in the scriptures, Lord. You are our friend, and we thank you that we can tell you everything about us. We can pray and pour out our hearts to you. And we pray, Lord, that we will be very careful in our lives who we choose as our earthly friends because they're going to influence us, whether we know it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not. They're going to influence us either for the good or bad. Help us to choose godly, wise friends, Lord, to spend time with, to have that good, rich fellowship with. And help us, Lord, ourselves to be true and loyal friends that don't talk behind each other's back. Don't gossip, only encourage. And Lord, help us to, to be a blessing, to be a friend to someone today. We just thank you and praise you for your word. May it be imprinted on the inside of our hearts, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.